Okay, so episode two of Dynasty Sup. What's up, JT? Well, you know, I, I'm feeling really good about the information from the first episode that I have a bunch of questions for you now. <laughs> he was over there writing furiously. He's like, oh boy, we're in for it. <laughs> um, so in today's episode, episode two, we will discuss Dynasty draft strategy. Remember here at Dynasty Sup, we are trying to be the supplement and support to anything and everything Dynasty related for your fantasy football. And we're going to try to convert the casuals to the competitive. JT is entering the world of competitive and he's got the two spot in our draft. How do you feel about that? Um, so it's a weird feeling because you feel pressured, but there's really not pressure because it's fantasy football. There's a championship. Well, yeah, like I said, like, like I mean, is like there's, there's pressure because you want to do good, but like at the end of the day, it's fantasy football. It's not life-changing. But it feels like it's life-changing. It, well, that and as we alluded to, uh, in a dynasty draft, you are setting the foundation. See, that makes it feel so much more. Like, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like being committed to things. That's why I got married. <laughs> well, you're definitely committed. You just don't step outside of that, all right? <laughs> and much Shit. less, don't step outside of this league. You're in it to <laughs> dynasty for life. <laughs> hey, you know why they call it dynasty? Because you die. Die nasty. <laughs> oh. oh, nasty. <laughs> When I, was working on the, when I was working on the logo, my wife's like, why does I say Dynasty? I was like, that's Dynasty for 200, Alex. <laughs> soup. Like, Is that soup? Damn it, man. <laughs> Can I get some Dynasty soup to go, please? Dynasty soup. <laughs> DynastySup.com will be up and running at some point. I will probably do every other day articles, so tune in. Um, no, so your pressure at... And I kid you not, you're at the, the two spot. I am at the 10 spot of our 12-team league, super flex. It is not standard scoring. It is PPR. Um, I have the PPR slated at uh, not a full PPR, but also not a half PPR, meaning the wide receivers and running backs all get value from their passes, but the wide receivers aren't crazy. And if you look at certain league uh ADPs, average draft positions, a lot of wide receivers go early in a full PPR because that value is just there. Every single catch, they get full a full one point. So when I guess considering like a dynasty or I guess I, – I, I guess this ties into the first episode, but I guess still too in drafting, how important are the league settings um, for your draft? I think it, everybody needs to review their points scoring system before constructing their roster so they understand. Like, case in point, in my league, there's bonuses uh, per yardage. So guys like Kareem Hunt, um, Tyree Kill, it's funny, Chiefs, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, they, they were just who I thought of off the top, top of my head. Um, Deshaun Jackson, uh, for a note. Freud was right. <laughs> when when Deshaun Jackson was making plays, um, there's some special team bonuses and things like that. So if like there's a 40 yard bonus, you want guys that get the ball deep, like Will F Will Fuller when he scores. 
you know, he's making those long runs of breakaways. Stefan Diggs, same thing. Um, so you have to weigh that out versus a possession receiver like Jarvis Landry. You know, Jarvis Landry was 29% of the Dolphins' uh, targets last year. So this is strictly a personal question. Oh, everything's personal. It's dynasty, baby. Um, Landry, out of Miami now. In Cleveland, my AFC team. You think he's going to do better or worse than how he did with the Dolphins? So I think um, episode – and I. Th- Kind of want to take this as a, I guess, first part, not dynasty, and then second part, or or, uh, fantasy, and then second part, fantasy. Regular league versus dynasty? Is that? Um, I mean, just like, like in general, outside of fantasy football. Oh, football, real football. Yeah, yeah, real football, and then we'll take it in the fantasy if you can. So the cool thing is, I I don't think you knew this. I am a Cleveland Browns fan. No, I knew that. Okay. Because, yeah. Because you're a loser. We are friends, and I'm not a bandwagoner. (laughs) So, for those listening, I am a Browns in the AFC and a Packers in the NFC. My dad's from Milwaukee. That's the Packers. I watched them with Don Mikowski and uh, Sharp and Freeman and all those guys. Ahmad Green, part of that. Edgar Bennett, I think. Um, So, yeah, I have Packer for life. And the Browns, before this newfangled 6-10 and team – Oh, yes. It's better than zero, folks. Dude, if they don't win six games, Hugh Jackson needs to go. Seriously. But everybody loves him for some reason. I'm not sold. All right. So Jarvis Landry, in a, and this is where you need to know your league settings. In a PPR, possession receivers, gold mines. When that guy gets 10 receptions, boing. Um, yeah. possession, so possession receivers, you got to kind of like construct your roster to – um, I call it diversify the portfolio. You could in best ball format. Do you know what best ball format is? Uh, I do not. I just learned this recently too. I'm like, what the heck is best ball? Is this golf? So best <laughs> ball, you have a roster of like 20 um, or 15. And then um, the, the scoring, just those 15 on your roster, they take the best two wide receivers. So you don't set your lineup. That's what I don't like. Some people like it because you just acquire the best roster and then boom, you're good. So in best ball, you would want a boom or bust guy that, okay, you don't care about the floor so much. You just want the guy that can go off because Mm -hmm. they're going to, of your five wide receivers and you have all boom or bust wide receivers, two of those guys are going to go off. Sure. Whereas in a dynasty mode where it's not best ball, say you start three wide receivers, say you're two plus flex and you have to flex your wide receiver. Some leagues mandate three starting wide receivers. I would want a possession receiver, a high floor receiver, whether it's like somebody like Doug Baldwin usually has a high floor. He gets targets. He can score. Like the 10 reception, yeah. or it's one touchdown type of well, guy. That, that's a really high floor. <laughs> I'm talking about more like the the five reception, 70 receiving yard guy. that He's oh. going to score you 8 to 12 points. We have different uh, expectations. You have a good floor, sir. <laughs> I have a realistic. Um, but, yeah, if you have to do three, then I would want like a nice, pretty surefire elite guy, like A.B., I would want a boomer bust guy like Stefan Diggs or Will Fuller. And then I want a possession guy like your boy Jarvis Landry. He's going to get the dink downs from Tyrod Taylor. 
Um, the problem in Cleveland, uh, besides going 0 16, so have you looked at the Browns? Do you know like what they have going on? Um, it's been a while to be honest. So the Browns got back Josh Gordon, dude, in person. I saw him from the f- front row. No, he's young. He's young. Gosh, My wife is dancing in the background because she got us the tickets to the Packers and Browns game last year, which is awesome. The only thing that wasn't cool is it was like 27 degrees and I'm a Florida boy. I yeah. usually like the cold, but I froze my tush off. Tush. <laughs> she just said the front side of a lady, by the way. <laughs> she called me that. <laughs> I like how you put that. The front side of a lady. Uh, this is a family-oriented show. <laughs> Mothers and fathers, explain the nethers. <laughs> I will not, not do that me. for you. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Now they have to say what the nethers are. <laughs> but, dude, Josh Gordon, and, like, mind you, remember, I'm a bodybuilder. I'm not impressed by physiques that much because I've been around big, lean people. He's That's a good. freak. He is absolutely – like, I turned to my wife. I'm like, this dude is a monster. Man. So, all right, so you got Josh Gordon, who's now staying away from weed and all the substance abuse. He's really in a good spot. Everybody online still thinks he's going to relapse. I do not think that. If you ask me, do I want Gordon or Landry? Right now, I want Gordon before Landry. So, in making these decisions, um, because you touched upon the, 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 the weeds, as they say, Oh, trouble, like off-field trouble. Yeah, how important is, especially in, I guess, a dynasty league, how important is uh, off-season issues? Or Well, I mean, we, we talked about on the last episode without trying to talk about with McCoy facing these domestic things. So, so you have McCoy currently facing domestic. You got Mark Ingram facing PED. You got Julian Edelman facing PED. You got, um, I don't have uh, independent defensive players in our league, but you got that one defensive end. Um, he's also facing substance abuse thing. Uh, you got Jameis Winston with his Uber uh, reach around, <laughs> which, by the way, people, that was two years ago, okay? So, like, stop talking. Like, he's more mature now. He has a kid, pretty serious girlfriend. He had several bad instances. I do, in fact, think it's going to affect him and the Bucks' outlook on him, but he's suspended for three games. He did not appeal it. That's it. Like, it's going to be three games, and then they got to see where he goes from there. There's not going to be anything extra. That's it. So, if you're afraid of Winston, be afraid because the Bucks might not want him anymore. Be afraid because his behavior has shown trouble, trouble, trouble. So, you're absolutely right. What do you do with the offseason? You know, now we have McCoy, who I mentioned before that I traded him away before this domestic thing. But he might be Ray Rice right out of the league. Yeah. Now, Ray Rice, there is video footage of him pounding that girl in the elevator. So, in this case, we have the friend of his girlfriend with some sort of violent, bloody-faced photo accusing him of all sorts of stuff. And, you know, guilty until proven otherwise. It affects different things. Um, and unfortunately, innocent until proven guilty? Yeah. Or in the NFL, you're guilty until they prove otherwise. Um, well, we can get into a whole discussion about how. Absolutely. And that, that might be another episode for sure. My sure. only thing on that is like everybody in that situation loses. The women that are abused or even have to fear that, they're, that hurts. Sure. The employer who has to respond to their employee 
publicly, if you sit on that, you get chastised. You lose fans. If you move on it too early, you might very well cut an all-star player who might be not guilty. I know this is a family show, but damned if you do, damned if you don't. Correct. And you have to act early as an employer nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's crazy. So nobody in that situation wins. Now McCoy has that on his name. Mind you, in 2013, he had the similar thing. People don't know that unless you dig deep. That's why we're here. Dynasty. So, so. so would that uh, throw you off of him because it's a so, reoccurring thing? I'm glad this happened before we started our startup because I personally was going to look for McCoy in the third round. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in our league, well, I don't know all like all of your guys' tendencies yet, but a lot of people just write him off as one to two year rental. He's old. My negatives on McCoy also heading into this is the Bills lost two of their offensive linemen, Incognito in Winter, the center, mm-hmm. and they traded away a tackle and they got nothing back. So they lost three of their starting offensive linemen and did not draft an offensive lineman. So McCoy is going to get beat up regardless. <laughs> Whether it's in jail or on the field, he's in trouble. (laughs) But I was hoping to backside, get him in the third or fourth round because the guy scores. And he's going to be the lead. So the Bills have McCarron, Josh Allen, Charles Clay, Zay Jones, and I think Taewon Taylor, I think. Don't hold me to that one. Who? (laughs) Exactly. So – Outside of Charles Clay, you're sitting at home like, okay, the Bills have nobody. Great. And that, that's my stance. Like, if there's going to be a team I'm going to stay away from, it's probably the Bills, unless it was McCoy, or I also looked at Josh Allen as possible because it's super flex. You know, if you got to throw the ball because your team stinks, you're going to score. Um, so, in regards to draft strategy on that – off-season stuff matters. Like Winston, he's going to drop a little bit because you have no use for him in the first three games. Yeah. Ingram. Ingram. Okay, so Mark Ingram, running back for the Saints. Not only do you well, have – Real real quick before you get into Ingram, um, if, so since we're playing in a dynasty league, it could be argued that the first three games don't matter because you're setting yourself up for years. Correct, and that's that's where you as the owner, you have to make that decision. Do you want Jameis Winston who shows tons of potential but never turns out, just like Mariota? Mariota last year was injured. They didn't really talk about but there's no way that guy was not injured last year. Yeah. Um, and that's for you as the owner. You got That's that's the cool thing about dynasties. You got to weigh all these things in, and that's why here in July we're talking about, well, crap, what am I going to do about McCoy? <laughs> <laughs> I literally had him on one of my teams, traded him last month, and now here I get to talk to that guy, the the owner I traded him to. Because I was like, dude, my bad. You, you Now you have the trouble. <laughs> or case in point, like Dynasty, you have to face unknown retirements. Jason Witten. Um, yeah, Jason Witten. Uh, some other tight end. Who was it? Olsen's still in. It was another tight end. Guy oh, Gates. Two. Gates. Gates. Antonio Gates. Um, but either way, that, those are the things you have to face. And so that's when you're drafting. Um, in the startup draft, some leagues do the startup draft with rookies involved. In our league, Dynasty Sub League, we are not doing the rookies. I am all about engaging owners and letting owners build their team. And I wanted everybody to get a chance to trade their draft picks and make moves to strengthen their draft pick going into this. Dynasty is very important to also – watch college football or at least be aware of it 
there's a good uh, website, draftscout.com, um, which kind of shows you the college stats. And then there's a whole bunch of podcasts and different people on Twitter devoted to scouting. So, and YouTube is a thing now. You could go look up any player and look at his footage and his highlights. What you don't want to look at is the highlights. You want to look at the lowlights. Like Rashad Penny, everybody's talking about his yak, his yards after carry or yards after catch too, or yards after contact, I should say. It could be all three. (laughs) Um, But if you watch his tape, Rashad Penny literally would go for 75-yard runs after somebody touched his thigh. That counts as yards after contact. He went for 75. That's really not a bruising back. Yeah. So things like that, you got to be careful what stats you look at versus what film you look at. Because I saw Rashad Penny get stuck behind the line. I saw a not very strong guy. Yeah, he's fast. He's home run capabilities. He was, um, I think he set a record for kickoff returns too. So so now you're talking Rashad Penny who Seahawks quote-unquote reached for. They're going to make him their primary running back. He went from like a running back who I was had number eight in the rookies. Now he's literally going right around. You got Saquon at one. You got Darius Geis at two or three. And now you got Rashad Penny in that mix ahead of Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. So things like that matter. The NFL draft in April also affects your outlook on who you want to draft and what positions you want to be in too. Um, I hate disclosing all my information before, but that's a promise I made to myself for this league. I want everybody to be better. And if you happen to knife me on a move I was going to make, I don't like you. <laughs> so uh, touching on the, the rookies, how important is that rookie draft and dynasty? So you got two types. And I think on the last episode, I don't know if you and I were talking offline or if we were talking on the show, um, Joby is in, I think, three of my leagues, and he's a perfect trade partner for me because he loves draft picks. He loves this rookie class in in particular. Like he's given away almost all of his 2019 draft picks. Uh, and just for those listening, I I have it where NBA rules, you're eligible to trade your 2018 draft picks, your 2019 draft picks, and your 2020 draft picks. Um, and that's it. So after 2018, 2021's become available. And I like that because that's what real life, you're allowed to trade draft picks. You're allowed to trade futures for the present. So in my world, I'm trying to obtain knowns and elites, and Joby is trying to build high upside guys in a whole bunch of draft picks. So in one of our leagues, he literally has 15 picks in the rookie. In the rookie. I was like, dude, what are you going to do your roster if you have 15 picks? <laughs> Because our taxi is only five. Um, for those not initiated to dynasty, taxi is a term that back in the old days, the, the developmental squad would take a taxi to the ball yard. Uh, I actually think it's a baseball thing, not a football thing. So uh, a developmental team, taxi team, most leagues have it where if you're a rookie, you can be on the taxi squad, you could get called up, called down. And my leagues, I have it as anybody three years or less in the NFL, uh, once you get called up, you have to stay up. You cannot go back to the taxi. So once you get called up, like say JT, you you draft Carry On Johnson, and your main running back David Johnson goes down. So you call up Carry On Johnson off your taxi squad. The reason Carry On Johnson is probably on your taxi squad is because he's the number three back in Detroit. You got Legarrette Blount, you got Theo Riddick, you got Amir Abdullah. 
Carrion Johnson could be a player, but you're probably you don't want to use a starting spot for him. Yeah. But next year he's probably RB two. So moves like that you have to make throughout the season. Once you call him up, if you cut him, he's a free agent. Opposite of that, if he doesn't turn out in my league, I have it set up where in 2019, anybody three years or under on your roster, you could put them on your taxi. So say you had a wide receiver you drafted, you kept him on the real roster this year, but he didn't quite develop and doesn't look like he's going to pan out. You don't want to cut him because you drafted him and you like him. You'll put him on your taxi in 2019. So it's, it's cool. I like versatility. I like giving my managers options. Um, I guess going along with the Which is super like, deep, by the way, and way away from the draft strategy. <laughs> <laughs> um, in your opinion – Rookie or known elites as far as uh, drafting goes? That's come up uh, quite a few times. Um, on my side, I like – I like so a rookie draft pick, the actual stats, when people break it down, the one – And this is more so, I guess, dynasty-minded. Yes. Because you got to look at the bigger picture with things. Yeah, so like in regular uh, redraft leagues – how often do you see a rookie drafted? I mean, last year and the year before is the first time you saw impact. You saw Dalvin Cook. You saw Todd Gurley. You saw a few rookies finally make impact. Hardly any of them were wide receivers, right? So the yeah. usual rule in Dynasty, you draft a wide receiver and you hope to develop him in two to three years. You draft a running back outside the last few years, you draft a running back hoping to develop him in one to two to three years, which is also why I came to the three-year thing for taxi. Case in point, carry on Johnson, a lot of talent but he's not going to be ahead of LeGarrette Blount or Theo Riddick right now. He's just not. So unless he shines in preseason, things like that, you want, you want to give him time to develop. Opposite of that, um, the elite guys who you know, like stats are stats. Analytics are getting tighter and tighter. You know when like they're monitoring how fast these guys are running and how much separation they're getting. So you know exactly what you're in for with the Doug Baldwin type. You know you're, what you're in for with a Larry Fitzgerald. Okay, so in Arizona, do you go Larry Fitzgerald or do you go – That's a tough one because Larry Fitzgerald's old, man. Right. So do you go Larry Fitzgerald or do you do, go with his predecessor or his protege, Christian Kirk? They're almost the same body. Christian Kirk has been an Arizona Cardinal fan since he was a kid. So it's a really cool backstory. Sure. And then you got Josh Rosen, who's eventually going to replace Sam Bradford. Um, so <laughs> Arizona's intriguing. I'm going to give you a tip. Uh-oh. Just the tip on my own team. <laughs> <laughs> and I hate this because somebody in my redraft league, my only league that I do redraft now, they're going to listen to this. In Dynasty, I will do a lot to try to get Christian Kirk. He's a kick returner, professional Slot receiver, possession guy, high upside. In Dynasty, for my WR3, or if I'm in contention with my roster, I will also try to obtain Larry Fitzgerald for this year only. Do we know why? He's he, going to die. He's trying to become the number two on all stats behind Jerry Rice. <laughs> they are going to force feed Larry Fitzgerald the ball. That guy will get a thousand yards, a hundred receptions this year only. So in the redraft, where am I drafting him? Probably a third round. Dynasty, hoping he falls to the seventh or eighth. I think that's the first hot 
take. <laughs> hot take, hot pick of uh, of the podcast. Of man. the Dynasty Sup, and I just gave away and one I of like my... It. Dude, it's one of my hottest secrets, and now you're going to blow me up on it. You're going to be like, ooh, he's going to go Larry if he's still around. <laughs> uh, so I am and really, then, and really... Then when you when you hit me up for a trade for him, I'm taking <laughs> your whole roster. You And see, I won't overpay unless it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and that's going to be a shirt. That's literally going to be a T-shirt. <laughs> ben will not overpay unless it's Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> well, that makes a great shirt because that so, could mean Ben Roethlisberger. I literally, and this this is why it pays to to join certain uh, message boards forums, whether it's Dynasty League Football, the Foot Clan. Uh, just go on Facebook, look up Dynasty. Go on Twitter, look up Dynasty Football. Uh, follow us at Dynasty Sup Guys on uh, Twitter. If you find weird tidbits that you didn't know, it really helps elevate your game and separate yourself. JT was over there today, busy with work. I was bombing him on text. And I'm over there reading different things. I am a Packers fan. I did not remember that Aaron Rodgers broke his collarbone in 2013. Did you remember that? I didn't remember that. Yeah, because somebody's like, bro, like he was trying to point out how Rogers is fragile and like it could happen again. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Sure enough, go to Google. I'm not saying I'm smarter than you, but I do Google harder than you. And it literally, Aaron Rodgers, 2013. Like that's when they had that terrible backup. Well, that was this past year. (laughs) Todd Hundley. It's happened. uh, Brett Hundley. It's happened. Two years then. I actually wonder if Todd Hundley, the catcher, would be better than Brett Hundley, the quarterback. <laughs> Definitely has a better arm. For sure. uh, yeah. Well, um, they have they have Kaiser now, anyway. Um, but well, speaking of draft, what, in your opinion, what's like the best draft pick position to be in in one of the in uh, starting up dynasty league? Um, yeah. So in different I don't leagues, know if you want to get up to like a standard fantasy football league too, but um. I, I think in general, uh, the math pans out that if you're in the four to eight range, you're going to get an elite guy. And then on the backside, you're still going to get a top tiered guy at the one. You're going to get a one or a 24 at the 12, which is in my uh, home league. I allow us to pick where we pick. Um, so the last place guy gets to pick where he picks and I think you saw this. This got squashed in our league. Like, our league is like, that's too complicated. Don't do it. But I like the extra strategy, except for that the 12th pick, you're just left with whatever you're left with. But some guys do not like the 1-1. And you were talking about this last episode where 1-2, you felt a lot of pressure. And at 1-2, like, for me, if I'm at 7, I'm kind of left with best available of the elite. Yeah. If everybody, like in Dynasty, if people go Hopkins AB at four and six, uh, some leagues it's one and two, by the way, um, suddenly, uh, you know, Zeke might drop back. Uh, you know, you got you got Gurley, Zeke, Kamara's a consensus six, seven. Um, but some people grab him early. Oh, and Le'Veon Bell. So that's four running backs. And then you got two to three wide receivers. You got AB, you got Hopkins, and then somebody might sneak in Aaron Rodgers or Deshaun Watson. And we touched on Deshaun Watson before, and now we're going to touch on him again. When you are drafting and you're making 
different decisions. The guy was on fire, statistically on fire before his ACL. Sure. And that I think is paramount to why he's staying up so high in the Rogers realm. So right now the tier one guys are looked at as Rogers, Watson, Wilson, and Wentz. Two of those guys had torn ACLs. It's like, what do you want to do? So my only discerning thing for Watson is it comes up in Family Guy with Spider-Man. Everyone gets one, right? So for him to jump to the top of like my draft or players I want to have, he has to have two of those years. Like that one year of awesomeness is, yeah, it's great for your fantasy, but it doesn't translate unless he has two of those years. Yeah. So it goes back to like golf versus Watson, right? So golf had a horrible year one, amazing year two. Watson had amazing year one. What's his year two? You know, sophomore slump is a thing. Sure. A- ask Marcus Mariota. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you're, you're right. And like, I always look for me, I look for consistency. Um, I like known values. I like consistency. I, in one league, I had Hopkins, Rogers, and uh, Watson all available to me at the 11. I'm uh, pretty sure I took Hopkins first. And then on the wheel around, I was debating between Rogers and Watson. So, Rodgers and Watson, I was like, ooh, do I want to build the stack? So are you familiar with stacking? Besides supplementation, obviously. (laughs) Um, Uh, No. As far as fantasy, no. Yeah, so there's methodology. You don't want to build your whole team like, oh, I love the Chiefs, so you're going to go get Kelsey, you're going to go get Kareem, you're going to go get Spencer Ware, you're going to go get Mahomes. You don't build it with all four, but there is a method to stacking where um, you're – you would get a quarterback and a wide receiver. You would get a quarterback and a tight end or, you know, the, or a PPR running back, like, the, you know, a dink-down quarterback. Like, uh, I can't call Alex Smith a dink-down quarterback anymore. You know that he actually um, – he set the league average for passes, the pass length in the air per attempt last year, and everybody called him a dink-down. He's not a dink-down. He literally was throwing the ball the farthest. <laughs> I mean, the uh, guy goes 10 for 15, 125 yards, and a touchdown almost every game. Yeah. Not bad. Any runs. Guys, remember Alex Smith runs. And if I haven't already snuck a hot take on you, you can tell I've mentioned Alex Smith and running quite a few times. Yeah. Last episode and this episode. And uh, running quarterbacks do score. They definitely score. Um, but, yeah, if you you can design your team around double stacking, uh, I'm in a predicament that at the 10 spot, if Rogers got to me, I was possibly going to go Rogers and then hope that Wilson wheeled back around to me. Mm-hmm. They share the same bye week. So here's another strategy. In family redraft leagues, you definitely want to pay attention to bye weeks. In dynasty, you don't control the buys, and guess what? You have the same guys next year. So don't. Like, don't sw- overthink yourself and sway yourself that much. There's going to be a week or two you're going to take a loss because you have unfortunate by coincidences. But in family, as fam- long as it's not 
the championship, you're good. Well, that's <laughs> that's why you don't play in week 17 when everybody's on the bench either, by the way. <laughs> um, and the other cool thing I learned last year, I actually enjoyed it very much. For some reason, I either had a lot of Dolphins. No, I think I had Landry. The Dolphins and the Bucks. remember the NFL just decided to not give them a bye week because of that rain cancellation? Yeah. So there was a few times where other people were in an unfortunate situation where they had buys, and I'm sitting there with Bucks and Dolphins, and like they were good to go all year. <laughs> so I kind of there's a few um, I forgot the teams. There's a few teams that have the earlier buys, the four, five, and six. So I'm almost if it comes to a tiebreaker. So say you like, okay, I think the Bears have fifth fifth bye week. So say you like uh, Alan Robinson and say you like the other Alan who's now a cowboy, the, the Alan Hearns. Um, why are you smiling? <laughs> um, but if, if it's a tiebreaker, you like their value the b- both, I would, take, I would actually take the guy with the earlier bye week just so that I have active options later in the year. Opposite of that, somebody's probably going to chime in and be like, dude, by the time week nine is around, your roster isn't even going to be the same. In Dynasty, it probably is, actually. Like you play yeah. to win, yes, but you also don't like change that much. Is that because you're thinking more so next year, too? Uh, I also think there's a level of attachment. And this is something to be careful of. And you'll see this in real football, right? The mm. previous managers in real football, like the management team gets uh, caught up. They will miss out on value because they're caught up in their guy. I drafted that guy. He's going to pan out. So don't do it yourself. You know, after two years and somebody really didn't pan out for you, let him go. Let him go. Like, do not get attached. If you want to win, don't get attached. So, um, going off of don't not getting attached to people, let's say you're in a dynasty league You've been kind of losing for two years, or at least not where you want to be. What uh, what's your strategy after those two years? Or what what can you do to help fix losing? As with anything, um, I think there's a, a definite context that you you need to be self aware. You need to look at your roster and. Um, too many times, like on these message boards, these guys are like, "I'm nearly in contention. I'm gonna, I'm gonna. If I get girly, I'm suddenly gonna be a playoff team." I'm like, "Bro, you have no running backs besides girly. <laughs> like, you need to be realistic about your team." So after two years, if you've lost, it depends on what future draft picks you have. It depends on how many of your upside guys and are they truly still developing. Your wide receivers might show themselves. Did that guy who got 50 receptions in his rookie year, does he now have 75? Is he going to be a predominant player? Did he go from WR3 to WR1? So always assess your situation. And then do you have viable trade pieces to to do something? Um, In my East-West Dynasty League, uh, another owner, Danny, he was in my conference. He saw the roster I put together. He looked at his roster. He reached out to me. He's like, I got to blow up my team already. (laughs) I was like, good. I'll take those three guys. I'll give you tons of picks. He's like, deal. And the whole league didn't like it. Like we literally traded like six guys, but he's like, he's like, I hate doing this right out the gate, but he's like, cause I had already acquired on that team. I have a B and Hopkins, Mm -hmm. a B Hopkins, 
Mahomes, Rodgers, Superflex League, uh, Gordon Freeman. Like, <laughs> you look at that roster, like, good God. Oh, yeah. and I have Ertz as my tight end. So I'm not missing anything. And as soon as, like, this was like five, five or six weeks into the league, and I had been working hard to acquire picks and trade and all that. I was like, yeah, I'll take those three players, and I'll give you more draft picks for it. I was like, thanks. <laughs> but now he is set up in year two or three, and guess what he's hoping? All of my guys fade, and he's, you know, and then we might be in the opposite role where I might have one or two elite guys, and I give him the push. But I, I don't design my teams that way, by the way. I always acquire draft picks. <laughs> and then I hope to research and hit on my draft picks. When uh, When you're – Going into the first initial dynasty draft, how important is age with the player? Like the Larry Fitzgerald example, right? So if he gets his records, becomes the number two wide receiver behind Jerry Rice, I think in a scenario like that where you probably, if he gets his records, he's going to retire, kind of like Antonio Gates did. They stopped throwing the ball after he got his whatever tight end touchdown record. Yeah. If you remember, they after he got that touchdown, they went straight to Hunter Henry. So if situations like that, like I said, in the redraft league, I'm taking Fitzgerald early. Dynasty, I still recognize his value for this year, and I want to play to win, but I'm not going to draft him as high. Uh, then we got McCoy with the older. But you got to understand, like, this whole older misnomer, if the guy is elite talent and you get two to three years from him, take him. Take him at value. If he drops, that's more value to you. If a guy's average draft position is round three, and for some reason in your startup we were in round five, and that guy typically goes at number 36, and you're picking at 60, take him. That's value. Yeah. Because here's the thing, too. When you acquire somebody, don't think of it just for your team. Think of, is this player somebody other guys will want? You know what I mean? I think that's Not, a really good point. Because I did this in the league. I literally, I was gunning to obtain uh, Joe Mixon, the Cincinnati Bengals running back. Mm -hmm. He mimics uh, Le'Veon Bell. I wanted a strong RB3. Uh, I think this is the same team behind Freeman and Gordon. I wanted Mixon so bad. But I didn't, like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. So... This other guy had Mixon. I offered him just a, a random draft pick. It's one of my buddies. He's not well-versed in what the correlation between what a rookie pick is versus value. Mind you, one through five is value in rookies. Pick one, two, three, four, and five. After pick five, it's almost a lotto ticket. Like you have your five surefire guys. The rest is almost a lotto. So... Um, and obviously, there's educated things like Christian Kirk is probably going to fall to like 12 or 15. Um, you know, and if you're researched, you take educated guesses. So I initially offered, I think I offered him like a second round uh, future or a second round of this year. He's like, I don't really know what that means. He's like, because Mixon was his RB3 too. So he didn't really care either. But I was like, all right, honestly, that's probably way underpaid or whatever. So we left it alone. A week later, I obtained Jordan Howard. <laughs> and I traded the same guy, Jordan Howard, but I got a future 2020 second pick <laughs> and Mixon. So at the end of the day, you got to think of the deals that you're about to make and what you could possibly get. And I call it net deals. And I, that's going to be an episode I need to talk about way later. A net deal means 
I'm acquiring A, B, and C from you to go get D and E from somewhere else. And what did it's what you gave and what you got, and it might not all be in that same transaction. It might be three other transactions, um, and it's it's pretty elaborate. So it's like playing chess. The whole thing is chess, and it's personal relationships too. Yeah. You know, like you cannot spurn your other owners. You can talk junk, but do not make everybody in your league dislike you so much. Um, and, and we talked about this on the last episode. For me, as I hopefully keep winning, and as I um, my trade activity will probably drop off. There's a strange thing that happens in Dynasty. As you win, nobody wants to help you. And then as you keep trading and keep winning, no matter what happens, whether it helped your team or not, you are then seen as the guy that either wins trades or swindles people. <laughs> like one of my buddies calls me a car salesman. I'm like, great. I was like, dude, but I sell you value. <laughs> I'd call you a used sales carsman. Yeah, that's kind of what he does. <laughs> that's what he basically says. He's like, dude, you can tell me there's value in anything. I was like, well, I can slant stuff, sure. But I like at the end of the day, I am. I don't ever want to put my league mates in a position where they felt they got ripped off because then they're not going to help me when I need them. Sure. And that, that I hold true to that. Like, I'm going to need all 11 league owners at some point in a dynasty. No matter what. I think that's like, a really good way to look at it. Yeah, and it's a trade partner, and like, there's gonna be, there's gonna be some instances where you just cannot um, make trades. Like, if I like a guy, you like a guy, we're just not gonna agree to the trade. Doesn't matter yeah. if I like you. Well, that that has to do more with uh, the attachment to the guy, though, right? Yeah. Um, back to like, oh, and how the the leagues differ, and how you would trade or how you draft based on position. Actually, I was going to go with, I guess this pertains more to the rookie draft. Um, injuries in college with these rookies. Hmm. How important is it to you? And, like, how, does it depend on the injury? Because nowadays, like, ACLs are happen all the time and they get fixed like nothing. So what's your, your uh, insight to injuries before – there's a, an individual on Twitter. He actually devotes everything he reports to injuries and comebacks. I forgot his name, but he's, he's known apparently. Um, ACL, yeah, it seems everybody's coming back fine versus 10 years ago. Sure. Uh, I still think when you watch tape and you see somebody's nimble and they don't finish their runs, you don't want them. If you're nimble and getting injured all the time in college, you're probably going to get injured in the pros. Yeah. And what what you want is a guy that you can start 16 games. So guys like Stefan Diggs, who hardly ever makes 16 games, um, Sam Bradford, all quality guys. Um, but they're not if they're not going to be a lineup possibility for 16 games, you probably don't want to take that. Um, but you also can't. It's football. Everybody has a possibility of getting injured. So yeah, me personally, I try to diversify my portfolio. I kind of think of it. You, you say chess, I say stocks. Okay. I want, I want high risk, high reward. I want conservative long game. I want, um, low risk, low reward, AKA, uh, a floor guy. I like floor guys. Um, Keenan Allen is not a floor guy. The wire receiver for the chargers. Mm -hmm. He is, 
One game he had 43 points, another game he had seven. Do you want to lose a game because he didn't show up? Now here's where I I hope I scare the whole league away from Keenan Allen. Because <laughs> I'm going to take him now. I do. Do you know why? The last six games, his usage and target rate, he was their whole offense. And that was with a healthy Melvin Gordon. And you're going to admit that to a podcast that people are going to listen to in your league. Yes. And consensus, and it's funny because in one league, I could not trade Keenan Allen. And I actually put him on the, on the waiver wire and picked him back up in, in the same league. Nobody wanted him. He was, if you remember, he was cold. And he was in injury prone too. And I stayed away from him because his ankles. But when he's healthy and Phillip Rivers loves him, game on. He's also young for your age, for you age zealots. So uh, wide receiver core, you have a lot of young guys. You got Landry, who's still young. You got OBJ. You got Michael Thomas. um, You got Keenan Allen. You have Stephon Diggs. Opposite of that, you got Thielen, who's actually a little bit older than most. Uh, And then you got A.J. Green. You got uh, Antonio Brown's getting up there, but he's still healthy. Uh, Julio Jones. So you'll see that a lot. You'll see some A.J. Green and Julio Jones trades for Hopkins and um, Stefan Diggs even. Um, and then, oh, age-wise, you have Alshon Jeffrey. And who knows if Brandon Marshall's going to show up again this year. Uh, he signed with the Seahawks, I believe. <laughs> it's not a bad gig for him, though. I mean, uh, Paul Richardson's out. There's Doug Baldwin. Okay, now you're the red zone target. Granted. For him, because that's that's just straight stats. Getting the touchdown passes. Jimmy Graham is gone. Jimmy Graham had ten touchdowns he, last year. He did. Uh, besides last year, he really did not do great in Seattle. So Jimmy Graham, when you talk about know your league roles rules, uh, Jimmy Graham for standard, awesome. He had ten touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. PPR. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Because um, he was strictly a red zone target, and that's what I think. If Brandon Marshall cracks the starting lineup, that's what I think he'll be. Uh, he'll be the red zone guy. Agree, hundred percent. Big body out there. Um, yeah. So I will. Not, I will not be drafting Brandon Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> With dynasty and thinking legacy or longevity as you draft uh, backups. Important or not important? And I mean strictly in terms of, just for an example, in Miami you got, um, oh, wow. Jesus. What's the terrible quarterback name? Eli Manning? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, him. (laughs) That sucks I had to say that. but (laughs) The guy won a Super Bowl, but what has he done lately? Bob Ross <laughs> trees. Um, okay. So like in Tampa Bay, we got uh, Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Ooh, I don't like this example because we know how Fitzpatrick plays, but sling him. But let's say you're, you're drafting your dynasty. Are you picking up the backup just in case? Okay, so not not only quarterback situation, uh, handcuffs. That 
that's the term. Uh, I think you know that. I'm not sure all the listeners know that. Handcuff, yeah, yeah. handcuff. Usually speaking, is like your Austin Eckler in San Diego for Melvin Gordon when he went down. It's your Corey Clement when Ajayi doesn't get used. Um, it's your in Miami now. It's Frank Gore, uh, Kenyon Drake, Kalen Balaj. <laughs> like you have these committees. <laughs> you have these committees. Um, okay, the best handcuff example, and you got to think of it as not always a handcuff. Uh, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman is a complementary handcuff. He actually sees play besides injury issues. Um, same with Dalvin Cook, Latavius Murray, and McKinnon when they were all in Minnesota. Um, Dalvin went down, so it became Latavius plus McKinnon. Um, in general, with our settings, our league settings, and this is a strategy, I hate exposing my damn. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So lately, uh, you familiar Aaron Jones? Yes. Green Bay Packers. Again, an incident that happened last year. People are acting like it's recent. Um, two games, he was going to be the predominant starter, and now everybody is high on Jamal Williams again. So you're going to have Jamal Williams, Ty Montgomery, and Aaron Jones. Guess where all three of those go? Late. With 25-man roster, I have no problem going back-to-back-to-back Packers backfield. Because in that situation, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, or Ty Montgomery, they're going to separate. Somebody at some point is going to separate. And with 25-man roster, if I could get an RB3 out of one of those, why not? (laughs) And Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams can be taxied in our league. So that's two slots I could just dump over to the taxi if I happen to draft two running backs I like better. I got you. And taxis, remember, you can call up. You can't push back down. So if Aaron Jones goes off, ba-boom. And who says I need him if I have, you know, the the likes of Gordon, Freeman, Kamara, whatever. So in your opinion, who's the bet, uh, or I guess given the better chance to win, a guy that drafts better in terms of, I guess, elite players drafted over the guy that is really good at matchups and, I guess, does his research for that week? Um, so, no matter what, like, okay, case in point, LeBron James. Yeah, we're going basketball, <laughs> Right. Best player on the floor, but he doesn't have complimentary pieces. Your matchup guy, if he does not have good enough guys, he can know all the best matchups, but if he does not have them on his roster, he's not winning. Yeah. You can only win with what you have. So when these guys say, oh, I would have won if I had Gurley, well, you don't have him. Only one team has Gurley, unless you're in those copy leagues where there's like 12 in the West, 12 in the East, and there's uh, two two players of, of each, which makes the playoffs crazy. No, thank you. As a commissioner, no, thank you. (laughs) For me, the ideal size is 12 teams. Uh, There's just enough activity on the waiver wire, 25 men. There shouldn't, like, so in Dynasty, the other thing is if you set up your league, you want to try to make it as realistic as possible. So to only have 15-man rosters in Dynasty, you're not letting anybody develop the roster. You're forcing waiver wire moves. 
Mm-hmm. I like 25 slots. You can do an extra guy. You can do like what I talked about with the Packers backfield. Plus my five-man taxi, it allows you to really develop um, a team like you would naturally. I've seen other dynasties where they go full-blown, full 53, and they pick defense too, which means everybody has to be traded. There is no waiver wire, <laughs> which is cool because then you see like bogus – like. Mason Crosby for you know if kickers are involved. By the way, I did, in this league we're not doing kickers. In my in my redraft league we did kickers and Zerline like won a game for a guy because he had like twenty eight points. So uh, we just put a wide receiver, running back, tight end flex in place of the kicker. Defenses are still involved; they are bonused. Um, and oh, so rules you definitely. In my league, you should not be made fun of if you take a defense above round 10 because the Eagles, the Vikings, uh, yeah, write that down. <laughs> Literally, no, I'm telling is. you right now. Um, and, and, like, not so much last year, but there's there's been a few times where there's, like, you remember the Dante Hall, Kansas City Chiefs? Yes, I do. So, like – in the, that era, in my scoring system, knowing your league role, rules, Dante Hall, as your wide receiver, would get the six points for his punt return. If you had the Chiefs defense, you would also get six points for the punt return touchdown. So you would get 12 points from the same guy and all of his kick return yards. So it's a nice double dip. And again, if you know your league rules, that's uh, three years ago, the same for me to Tyler Lockett when he went off for the Seahawks. Yeah. He literally won me like two games. I was going to say, that's the difference in winning or not winning a game. Yeah. And like, if you look at the, the point sheet in our Google Docs I have set up, I, I provided the 2017. The defenses, some of my defenses can score 23 to 28. It's, it's, so it's important. But I also believe that you can scout your matchups with defense and you can scout, you can make good trades with defense. Kicker, not so much. You have no idea what they're going to do. Now seems like a good time to end part one of episode two on draft strategy. Uh, go ahead and click the next one for part two. Still discussing draft strategy, but uh, trying to keep these below an hour just for limiting episodes. So check out episode two, part two, draft strategy coming up next. Thank you.